This is uh, Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth. We are continuing our Bible study this morning uh, on the Gospel of Matthew, and we're starting the Passion narrative. So um, Matthew has a very interesting perspective on the Gospel, uh, on the Passion narrative. So, so remember, we started this very, at the very beginning, that Matthew is very, very much focused in on the destruction of the temple, uh, very much focused in on the Roman Empire and the, comp, uh, and the understanding that the Roman Empire is the bad guy and that God's empire is the good guys. And that, uh, as, as my professor actually said in class, uh, the Caesar is um, Darth Vader, right? Like, it, and then... And then uh, Luke Skywalker is, is going to be Jesus because at some point or another, he comes out and becomes victorious from this. There's a whole new empire. But at the, at the end of the day, part that's really important that I want us to take from this is that the little things in the passion narrative map, it's not just merely the story of Jesus' death. It's what they say about it, the writer is saying about it. So, for example, Tammy was asking me a question about the 30 pieces of silver, right? As we're beginning. And, of course, we're going right, right into deep depth of conversations about, well, how much is this? Like, what is the, the value of that? And then you go to Dr. Carter's understanding, and he says, well, it's, it's, uh, it's about a month's salary for a shepherd. It's, uh, it's not a lot of money, but for Jews, it's a lot. Uh, it's enough to, to betray Jesus, you know, at this point. Um, and, you know, the com commentary always goes into this idea that, uh, well, Jesus, Judas has so much money, he goes and buys a field. You know, sound kind of joking. Well, a field full of rocks. You know, like, it's not like there's a whole lot of things. There. Even if you go with the, the church's tradition that you, you call it potter's field, and there's a, a tree there that takes its life, you know, that even then the tree doesn't produce fruit. So it's not like it's helpful for anyone. So, I really want you to pay attention to the, the nuances that take place in chapter 26 to 27 specifically, uh, because it is a it is a hardcore um, conversation about the elite and the non-elite, those that have power and those that don't, and that how Jesus is going to be elevated after his death to be even more powerful than Jesus. So there's, there is a conversation that's going to take place. And he's treated, even in the story, he's treated as less than human. You know, like it's not normal. But it is to them. So those that are hearing this in the first and second century, they know what Matthew was talking about. For us, it's easy for us to look at it from the 21st century and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's really nice. And uh, it's sad, you know. And, you know, Jesus went through all this. Yeah. But really, at the end of the day, Think of the liberating understanding that this human being not only lived with him, but would die like him. And then rest, rises from the grave in a way that no other human can. And so the impetus of this is much more powerful than just the way we read it. So um, I'm just going to kind of get started because there's a, there's a few things that we, we kind of just need to make sure we recognize. There's, there's basically... Uh, 
there's just going to be multiple things and I'm going to pause a lot. We'll talk a lot throughout this chapter. So when Jesus had finished saying all of these things, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Uh, then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the place of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, which by the way, uh, Caiaphas had been uh, the high priest for 37 years by this point. Uh, he worked with Rome. And uh, so this author is definitely saying this, this guy is bad news. Uh, so they arrested, uh, he, he was called Caiaphas, and he conspired to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. Uh, so this is... Um, this is historically accurate. There was a moment where we knew that there were people that were creating riots after the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem. Um, up to the point of the destruction of Jerusalem, there were pockets of people that were were, uh, were throwing rocks at Roman centurions or you know, hitting them with sticks and running away. Um, this was really happening. And the religious leaders at the time supported Rome. Um, and, and notice that Matthew is so brave enough to call him out by name. So we won't go to our people do that. Those aren't our people that are harassing your Roman soldiers. It's got to be those Christian people. So this, this person, the author, is definitely wanting you to know that. Now, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the Leper, a woman came to him with an, an alabaster jar of very costly ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. When the people, when the disciples saw it, they were angry and said, "Why this waste? For this ointment could have been sold for a large sum, and the money given to the poor." But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, "Why do you trouble the woman? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor." With you, but you will not always have me. But yeah. who are you? That's the one that made me mad. Mm -hmm. why, why would they begrudge? That's their Lord. Sure, but that's the whole point. It's the, it's, it's the, it's not the humor, but it's the, well, that's why Jesus is calling it out. And, 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 and the really, what they're upset about is, is the money. Right? They're focusing on all the wrong things. Here's a jar of ointment that they could take and sell, sell to take care of the little people. Wonders. Mm -hmm. In the book of John, Jesus saying that. Not a, right, because he's the treasure. Yeah. That's, they even named him in the Gospel of John. Now that's also a historical thing, which is kind of fascinating. Because notice that this, this one's not written, but the church or the institution of Christianity by the time the Gospel of John is written, really wants you to understand that Judas made all the wrong choices. It doesn't elevate Peter, but definitely wants you to know that Judas is the bad guy. So yeah, so there, it's the, um, it's the absurdity of this scenario is the reason I think the gospel writers came and said. So, but his focus here is the poor. Uh, why would you, he says, you perform, she has performed a good service for me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. 
by pouring this ointment on my head, she has prepared me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Um, now, Dr. Carter doesn't go into a lot of this in his commentary, but he does in his book. Um, but the fascinating thing on a historical Jesus, remember there's several schools of thought when we look at Jesus. Oil is something that's transferred all the way back to the Hebrew Bible, especially women holding jars uh, oil in the aspect of anointing. And anointing usually only happens in about three different ways. One, you anoint a new king uh, with oil. You anoint somebody with oil in the aspect of teaching Oil for healing, and then the third one is it's always burying. So, usually, when we talk to sort of Jesus, uh, you look at that archaeologically and find out that there's there's whole groups of people that were assigned from the Jewish world that would do uh, the anointing. So, priests anoint the healing, the Marys would anoint at funerals, which is part of the original. Um, and then there's the uh, the prophets that anoint the kings. So in this story, you have all three of those. See how that works? Yeah. Okay. He doesn't name it, right? Like he's, he doesn't name it, which is weird, right? Because if it's an important person, they're going to give him a name. But what she does with the boldness of recognizing that this this is a very explicit thing, she does something greater than the people that are even talking. I see in this too sometimes how the world looks at Christians, where the why are you wasting so much of time and your resources to something that is you know, foolish or not. isn't even true or it doesn't line up with science as we know it or whatever. You know, so there's an element of faith that is a waste you know, that people do um, in faith or Makes sense? No. I would I think it makes sense. I'm sorry. It absolutely makes sense. No, yeah, I, yeah. Agree, <laughs> I agree with you. I think that's also not a. Um, I also think that that's not a new thing. Um, I think that part of the problem that we run into, um, they're just telling me they can't hear you guys in the, in the microphone. So make sure your face is plugged directly towards it. And I've got a bit of its own. So. But so, uh, so this is not a new message, right? Like we put all of our all of our efforts into a new place. 
uh, are in the wrong place. They can't hear us at all. Super safe. Just one moment. Oh, well, that would be why. Okay, is that better? Can you guys hear me better that time? Somehow yeah. the somehow the microphone switched on me. I apologize for that. Hello. So, uh, so the oil is important. Perfect. Uh, the oil is extremely important. The fact that it's a woman is also important. Um, and the fact that the disciples don't get it is part of the rest of the story. But if you were just to guess, what role do the disciples play? I mean, you all heard the story, hopefully, dozens of times by this point in your lives. Play me in a way, right? Like how how they react is they're sort of reacting for me. Some of the stuff I'm thinking, they're asking the questions that, that I might be thinking, but not having the courage to ask or things like that. Mm -hmm. No, that's yeah, I would agree with that. Ah, good. Yeah. There's a human aspect to this. It's not a, a triune experience, right? Like, it, this is the hardest part for us to turn off in our brains because we look at it this way. We've all had the conversation of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We know that it exists. Matthew is still struggling with how that's supposed to work, right? And, and it's hard for us to turn that off. And so here, here's this moment, like Karen's calling it out. Like, there's no Holy Spirit here, so there's no guidance, they're on their own. And you could see over time how all of a sudden they start to catch glimpses of 
of something different. And by the time you get to the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit has been completely fleshed out in the in the in the institutional understanding of Jesus. And then we have this really deep conversation. Even Paul struggles with um, how it's supposed to work. Yeah, a lot of aha moments. I do like the fact that, you know, when we have questions and when the disciples have questions, they feel comfortable enough to, to ask or state. And Jesus doesn't mind addressing it. He doesn't just say it's because I said so. Be quiet. Stop talking. Sometimes. Which he which he yeah. can totally do. Yeah, yeah. And I think in our personal walk with, with Christ, we're free to, to question that. He welcomes that because he knows we're working through things. We're we're struggling and we're wrestling with with uh, the world and with the Bible and uh, all of those things. Want to tie one last thing before we get to Judas betraying Jesus. The disciples also understood the, the value of the oil on another level, which Matthew hasn't really put a lot of effort into. They, they would have grown up with an understanding that this oil is valuable because of multiple things, not just the fact that it's expensive, it's the, that we only use it for rituals such as healing, burial, anointing, you know. Do you think they still really didn't get that it was getting so close to Jesus? Well, yeah, he said, I mean, Matthew starts it off by saying, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand that after the Passover, two days after that, I'm going to die. All right? He says that right at the beginning of chapter 26. And they're like, oh, okay. Sure. And, and, and then right after this, Matthew says, and then this woman comes and anoints him. You know, like that's that's on purpose. And I think the disciples lack, well, I mean, make sure I keep saying this. Matthew's focus then puts it towards, okay, so now that we have set the story up, that all the way through his trial, the disciples are going to be just a little bit disconnected to what's going on in the same way we are at the moments of glimpses of death or even just the moments of trial, right? Like those temptations of life. We know that it's happening in front of us, but we kind of refuse to see it. What do you think it clicked with them? In the gospel, in the Acts of the Apostles. I think if I'm being completely honest with you, I don't think they get it until Acts chapter 2. And then all of a sudden, as we teach, the Holy Spirit comes into that conversation and, and people start to recognize, oh, this is why, or this is why we do it. And then, then you get the gospel of John. And this, and this is why, why? Because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. You know, like this is, there's a, a, an idea. Matthew is before all of that. They're uh, sort of wanting to deny what Jesus is saying. Like they don't want to believe it because they love him. And they don't think that's what's going to happen, even though Jesus is saying that's going to happen. They think he's going to rise as a an emperor, right? Yeah. As a ruler, sometimes you die, you emotionally die, whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, now, I also was thinking when we face trauma ourselves, there's that element of us that you know, we can't believe that, that it's happened or it's gone through. Like or after uh, someone's been in a, a traumatic car accident, you know, it's sort of a, always playing in the mind of what happened to you? I can't, I can't believe it's ha happening to me. Whatever. There's always that 
disbelief part of it as you're struggling with something that is uh, is traumatic. All right, and then it sets it up for the rest of chapter 26. You ready? Then one of the 12, who was called Judas Iscariot, Iscariot is important for historical purposes that we'll come back to later, went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And like we said, this is not a huge amount of money, but it was enough for Judas. And from that moment, he began to look for the opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat Passover? He said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, is it teacher? Did it, yeah, teacher. My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Sisterians? Surely not I, Lord? Okay. He answered, the, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Um, yeah, that one's, that one's rough. That one is found, uh, i trying to remember, I'm looking at my... Interesting. Uh, Judas, who had who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. And then while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung the hymn, ding, 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 this is Josh's little nerdy thing, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So I want to just kind of pause a little bit here. There's several things that I want to point out. Um, the Gospel of Luke says, the disciple Jesus sent the disciples to go into town and they prepared a large upper room, which I talked about today. Mark, I mean, said they Mark just says they went into town, they had room reserved for them and they ate. Um, and then, uh, here the Passover meal is the, the, the highlight, right? Remember, Matthew, the writer is Jewish, can't escape, he is absolutely Jewish. Um, and then he gets to the top. By the way, somebody's going to betray me. He does not tell a Peter story yet. Um, he's still using the phrase son of man. Remember, much, much more important about son of man, because this is the antithesis of what Julius Caesar and all the rest of the Caesars have said. We are the son of men. So Matthew is saying, Jesus is the son of man, actually calling him an, uh, an emperor. And notice that Judas calls him rabbi. It should be. 
somebody was going to betray Jesus. Well, obviously, he's destined to do that. They picked someone who they thought, who they knew, would have that character flaw that would do it. So let's go back to Asterius. Thank you for touching that. Asterius. So there was a time in about 160 BC when we have what's called the Maccabean Revolt. The Maccabean Revolt um, was about the only time that Israel fought against a, a, a captive uh, uh, captor, won the battle, and then they were able to rule themselves without being under the thumb of somebody else. It was very violent. Uh, Gosh, awful uh, battle uh, with your bare hands. I mean, I want you to think as visceral as you possibly can uh, with farmers with hoes, pitchforks, and, you know, rakes. Like it, was, it was a rough battle. Judas Maccabeus is elevated. It's the reason that they have Hanukkah. Uh, because for eight crazy nights, God did not let the oil go away. But for some reason, it just didn't happen. But Judas Maccabeus had a hammer. He wipes away all the bad guys. Okay, so let me fast forward. After the Maccabeans, there are several groups of people within the Jewish world that assess themselves as being, well, we are a tribe of Benjamin, but we live in Iscariot, or we live in Eskarot. And we, we think that God has called us to be warriors in the name of God, and we will support, when the Mashiach comes, we'll be God's uh, army. God has called us to be this rebel army. And so they caused Rome a lot of grief. And a lot of times, um, when you look at social uh, um, discussions about the first century, you'll see that there's these pockets of people that were rebellious against the Roman Empire for some reason. And then Rome would just wipe their hand and kill them all, right? Now there's, this is a very loose understanding. Some scholars would like to say that Judas was a part of one of these rebellious groups. These people from Iskerai uh, or Eskenderun or whatever, it just depends on who you want to talk to, but that Judas must have been from one of these rebellious groups. And since Jesus did not kill Rome or wipe Pontius Pilate or any of the Roman Empire that was there out. It was his duty to get Jesus out so the next person could come in. That is one whole weird theory that I've heard from uh, people preaching before. You know what his name means? Uh, can't remember. Praise of the Lord. Oh, Judas does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Praise of the Lord, Judas does. The scary and it's a little bit harder to understand. Um, I wanted to make sure that I, Dr. Carter would, would just be like, Josh, why did you even tell him that story? So you're trying to say in Iscariot, not only means from a tribe of leaders, but also keeps kind of his names in place. Right. Now, I want to make sure I say that correctly, because there are scholars that say that. Okay. I... I don't know where I fall on that on that at the moment, but I just I wanted to say that well, Timmy would make a little bit of sense if he did this 
and his name also means, you know, praise the Lord, but he's also part of this religious extremist group that wants to make that happen. Did you find anything on Google? I just thought it was interesting. Uh, it says two things. Well, I hadn't clicked on the full link because some of those are right. Yeah. Uh, a derivation derived from Hebrew uh, sheker, meaning falsehood. Right. Uh, and then uh, from Latin, sportia, meaning the leather bag which Judas has treasured. The word, his name, Judas. Yeah. Uh, was that Judas? Are you talking about Iscariot? I thought, I thought Jerry, Iscariot. Iscariot. Iscariot, yeah. The first part was from the first part, and the second was from the second part. So there's a weird dynamic with his name, um, and there's a weird dynamic of what's going on. I'm probably going to go with Ted's. We're going to be really, because Iscariot really, I go with Latin because it makes me comfortable. Leather bag, you know. Yeah, he's, he's the treasurer of the group. I probably would go there before I go anywhere else. Dr. Carter says <laughs> Judas's role is strange. The chief priests know who Jesus is. They do not need help to arrest him. Only a compliant crowd. Judas cooperates with them to accomplish something they can do without his aid. His actions, though, continue a trend evident in chapter 26, and the disciples progressively abandon Jesus. So, uh, so this is a, it's a weird passage. We just got done instituting the Lord's Supper, by the way. That I mean, I say mostly that. Most of my what I say is usually from the first Corinthians, but or bits and pieces of it. It's kind of homogenized, also. But sung the hymn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's always singing when God wins. Uh, what is it that he says here? When they had sung the roller coaster presentation. Blah, 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 blah. Jesus is shepherd on sheep. Shepherds sing. They bring people to safety. Yeah, he doesn't go into it. The nerd part of me is just like, oh, hey, look, they just talked about a hymn. Which hymn did they sing? You know, one of the Psalms, probably. Most likely one of the Psalms. And that's that's as far as it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How did the disciples know whom to go to? Here is um, Telling them we're going to go to his house. Oh, the man. Yeah, we're going to go go out and find the man and get the dogs. I mean, how do yeah. they? How did, <laughs> he does that a lot. I don't. Not that it makes any difference to the story, but I mean, his man had. Always wondered that. This man had a lot to do with me to prepare the castle for the man. No, it said the disciples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know. How did they know that man was going to be stopped? Was going to be big enough to well, everybody was wearing hats. Yeah, that's because Jesus told. Them. <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> I'm totally not joking. Like Dr. Carter, I would say uh, most of my professors would say that the answer to this question is as simple. This is where Jesus is playing the role of leader, and so he speaks. People listen. I need this room. They gave it to me. Um, I need I need this donkey. 
And, it, and they said the teacher needs it too. Right. It could be in, in that tradition, you know, if someone had a space and someone said the teacher is in need of it, that they would comply. was referred to him. Oh, yes. Wanderings was always as the teacher. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Josephus. Uh, so he's he's a he's a non nautical writer refers to Jesus as this prophet healing teacher uh, prophetic healing teacher yeah I, I'm having to remember how he said it who's also Jewish who uh, it's a whole long story but he wrote the history he wrote the history of the early world and he started at night going through old Testament yeah teachings. and Rome and yeah. Um, so he worked for Rome, he, he did all this stuff, but he was Jewish, you know. Uh, and he talks about Jesus as this healing teacher that would wander around and people took care of him and he changed the world. And this, this, he also talks, you know, no, he doesn't talk about it. Another writer at the time is a guy by the name of Philostratus writes about a Jesus guy like by the name of Apollonius, who, who is also a prophetic healing teacher, um, which is also kind of fascinating that that happens. Like, Something about teacher gets you into the door, but for the gospel writers, this is just proof of his leadership. Well, you you had to be a part of the upper levels of the non elite. And one of the working teachers that was there was Yes. Yes. There has to be money exchanged. Or... Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and I, I mean it. It's it's literally what you're thinking. I mean, there's a mentorship process. I mean, you think Socrates, right? You know, you think Plato and Aristotle. You see this the the potential in this person. You you equip them. You train them. And then they teach on their own. That, that process never stopped. So to be a teacher crossed all of the boundaries. So that was probably the aspiration of every young man at that time was to become a teacher. Well, not you became more efficient. Remember what happened to Socrates. Yeah. yeah. Remember what happened to Socrates. You know, he they handed him poison at some point. So it's 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 a it's a. You literally become a teacher, but you've got a target on your back. Because if you teach something that's against Rome, you're dead. If you teach something against the Torah, you're dead. You know, so it's it's not a it's not a comfortable position. So I don't know if there was a, a, a group of people that were striving to be it. But I think you know if you if you remember the the, the structure of the non-elites, right? The seven layers of non-elites. Everybody was trying to get up a little bit higher on the food chain, literally. Teachers were somewhere in the middle, I would say, probably. I don't know where Dr. Carter would fit them. I'd have to go back and look at the, the he got it from, but they were a little bit higher up on the food chain, but they also didn't have a place to live. They went from town to town teaching. People paid them for their lessons, and then off they'd go to the next town. So it, it, it makes sense, but for the gospel writers, the focus is, I said it, it shall be done, and it, and it happens. Uh, microcosm, yesterday you said to me, Ted, meet me at the church at 3 o'clock, we're going to go fix a mailbox. And I just followed your leadership, I just showed up. 
And, and then, then, then gave us your mailbox. Well, yeah, but um, you know what I mean? There's that element when you're a, 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 a leader follower. I like to say that followers are leaders too in their own ways. But, um, you know, you, you just trust that the person that's giving you the instruction is giving you good instructions. So you just, you obey, I guess for lack of a better word. You, you follow through because you trust your leader. Wow, he trusted me. That's that's scary. I showed up. He didn't show up. I don't know why he chose to install a mailbox during the hottest part of the day, but because she still needed her mailbox. Yeah. So let's keep on this idea. So then Jesus, what Jesus then does is right after he institutes the Lord's Supper, he goes right into. Then Jesus said to them, "You will all become deserters because of me this night." For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. <laughs> and then Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all of the disciples. And we know the rest of that story. You know, when it says deserted, it doesn't say deserted. It says maybe offended. But the word is scandalous. Oh, he says it's scandalous. It's, you're going to be offended. Right? It doesn't say you're going to deserve it. So wow. where did I get deserved from? I don't exactly know. Yeah, I don't either. That's an interesting That's translation. Paul used to talk about the cross. Yeah. Yeah. The cross is a scandal. He definitely says, and he's, he's adamant about that. Uh, uh, it's... Well, it's in 31 and 32, 33, where it says deserted or offended. You will all become a scandal. a scandal. Well, what happens will be a scandal to Yeah. Which makes more sense mm -hmm. if we translated it back to the original three. If you get the whole thingy, it's scandalous thesis that. <laughs> and the next one is scandalous they sometimes. So scandalous. In the, I don't remember anything. So uh, I think it's those. it's not in the name of God, but scandalous scandals. On, maybe it's in, on behalf of God. I don't remember. There's a face is God. So they. Face is God. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's a combination of the word there. Something that we're missing. There's a whole lot of two two of things on there. Yeah. Huh. Well, there's another part to this too that he he, he uses the language of shepherd. Uh, and and he is quoting, by the way, he's quoting Zechariah. This is kind of a big deal. <laughs> Zechariah is used all the time to uh, talk about Jesus as Messiah. This is like we, we talk about Zechariah uh, prof prophetically speaking this way. Matthew is making that argument. The funny thing is Luke doesn't use Zechariah in his argument. Matthew does. Um, Matthew says this, and then he calls him the shepherd. Uh, the shepherd, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. The shepherd term is used all the time for for rulers, not leaders. Understand rulers, 
So, uh, but the, then he goes into this idea that Jesus's reign, however, will be uh, what's what's Dr. Chef Carter say, compassionate and just, where a ruler would not do that. Look like you guys have a question. No, okay. So then, my this is this is one of my favorite parts in the Passion narrative. <laughs> Uh, then Jesus went with them, them to a place called Gethsemane. And this is up the side of a hill. Well, it's, we, they would call it a mountain. So the Mount, Mount of Olives is off to the west of the temple. They would have walked up to Gethsemane. Uh, there's a huge olive tree orchard there that they still think was there at the time of Jesus. And he's sitting there. Um, and I mean, these olive trees, I, I kid you not, are as wide as these tables. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, he took with them Peter and two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed. Now, right outside the Garden of Gethsemane, there's a church that's been there. Well, it's after the first crusade, they built this church. And in there, there's a rock uh, that they think this is where Jesus laid down. Right? And these are his tears are on this are on this rock. So there's a rock here, and they built this whole church that's around it, and it has been through every war, every conflict you can think of since the first crusade. Uh, they've had to rebuild it twice. I think I'm, I think I'm getting it right, um, but it is absolutely gorgeous inside that building. And uh, when you walk into it, there's uh, there's pews and stuff, and people are already singing when you walk into this building. People have come from all over the world. They're singing hymns. They're singing stuff on top of each other, you know, just praising God. And then there's this rock right there. And like I said, the garden is literally right outside the door. Um, and, th and then below that Garden of Gethsemane is the mount uh, where the big funeral mausoleums are, like the, the where everybody is buried for centuries, if not millennia, right? Right there outside the door. I mean, it's 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 a it's a thing. So I have to say that because when he says this, he and he lays him, he threw himself on the ground and prayed. This place they have marked off and say this is it i mean we don't we don't know but it's still a beautiful idea and it was powerful there my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me yet not what i want but what you want then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and he said to peter so uh, could you not stay awake with me one hour stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial or temptation i think it's usually Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Uh, again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he doesn't get mad this time. So leave He just gave up. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, 
let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. We're probably going to start at verse 47, not next week, but the week after that. Because remember, next week I'm going to be in a vault looking at documents from the 19th century with my white gloves and my white suit. Hermetically sealed. Um, so just a, just a few things here. Uh, Matthew's story at the Gethsemane is, is much more involved than the other Gospels. Um, there's prayer, there's weeping, and Matthew has Jesus actually asking, listen, if you want to change your mind, God, it's okay. I will be, I will, I will understand. Um, this is, this is important for us to recognize uh, because that's not the story that we teach. Right? The story we teach is he went for it willingly. Matthew does not do that. There's a... Well, I, we were talking about humans. Yes. And it's definitely showing the human side of Jesus knowing that it's coming, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Yeah. He doesn't say, I just can't do this. No, he doesn't say, I can't do this. He just says, if you want to change your mind, it's okay. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> like, those, those are, like, if it is possible, let this cup pass for me, not, yet not what I want, but what you want. You know, like, let's do something different. Nope. This is the way. This is the way. The disciples thinking, is that kind of us? Like, we're I'm trying not to jump up and scream me out. Yes! <laughs> there's so much to this story here. So much, but there's one particular thing. So the disciples are sleeping. And there's been time in my life that was one of those. Yep. Remember what I said at the very beginning of our discussion of the Gospel of Matthew is just that Matthew is super mad that the Temple of Jerusalem has been destroyed. Super mad. We say that Jesus is the form of God on earth. The only place that was able to do that was in the temple. This is in direct correlation to the temple being destroyed. You watched and you were asleep. You didn't do anything. As our holy place of God was destroyed, you were asleep. You had the opportunity to change your ways and make sure that none of this stuff would happen, and you were still asleep, as if I was in a coma. You couldn't even stay awake for a couple of hours to make sure nobody came in to destroy the temple, and yet here it is, it's gone. And, and then it flips it, you know, Matthew would then say, look at what you did to your own safety. You had the opportunity, and yet you fell asleep and you didn't pay attention. It's that dark. It's why at the Good Friday service, at the very end of that service that I get really angry or the voice gets mad and it's the hardest part of the service, usually two-thirds of the way I start tearing up because it's the Gospel of Matthew. Here you had your chance. Here's your opportunity, but yet you chose not to pay attention. You chose not to participate, and yet, what, what do you want from me? Like you can hear it, right? In the Hebrew Bible, 
there's multiple times when the prophets would say on, the, on behalf of the voice of God, I've given you everything that you, you needed. I gave you food. I gave you shelter. I gave you the land that you live in. I gave you families and you know, all of this stuff. And yet you betrayed me. That comes, I think for me, comes goes directly into the gospel of Matthew. Um, yeah, this is this is this is not a happy passage, and yet it's so uncomfortable for us. I think it's important for us to say, yes, and um, we're not going to be perfect. We are human. The disciples are going to sleep because they're exhausted. You know, I, I mean, I think there's another part of this, too. They were the ones that followed him. Right? They followed him. So they've been with him for, you know, at this point, supposedly three years. They're exhausted. Jesus doesn't sit still. He goes from one place to the next and says, oh, let's kill this guy. Like Simon the leper. Oh, let's go this guy. You know? This is not a simple process. They should have said a 15 minute break every morning, every <laughs> afternoon, right? Hour full siesta yes. would be nice. Yes, so this this is a it's an interesting thing. I, I, I've always I didn't I didn't ever take it this I mean, and I can't speak English very well today for some reason. Uh, I never really paid attention to it as much as I thought I, I should have. Um, there's a there's an interesting conversation that takes place in this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh and spirit identify not parts of the human being in conflict with each other, but the whole person. The flesh designates the human situation as weak and limited in its accomplishments. In contrast, humans can intend or hope for what they cannot accomplish, while the disciples hope to stay loyal to God's purposes, aka spirit. They will struggle to do so with their physical bodies. Um, when he goes into a lot of this, Dr. Carter does. I mean, it's, that's that's what we just got done reading. Is all of that. So I'm. It's a. I don't want to. I don't want to leave it there. But we got to leave it there. Um, because when he gets to the betrayal and arrest of Jesus, I'm going to mess you up. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Roman law. And, and some of the stuff that we have we have we have taught that's probably not right. I only rephrase that. It's not right. We've 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 done the kindergarten version of Sunday school, but we have not talked about social Roman law or how that didn't actually work the way that we've been brought up to believe. But it doesn't really change Jesus's death and resurrection story. It's just the way that we've always. We tend to make Pontius Pilate sometimes the good guy when he wipes wipes his hands off, and you know, and then he has this moment. And in reality, he's not the bad guy, and he's not the good guy either. Uh, Doctor Carter said he wrote a whole book on Pontius Pilate. I mean, it's really good. He he says he's kind of a uh, a pawn with Rome and with the Jewish. The cog in the wheel. He's a cog in the wheel, and. Uh, but he's a very important cog in the wheel. He did a lot of really amazing things geographically at that time. Kind of fixed a lot of stuff that Eric the Great had messed up. I mean, he just he did some things. But anyway, we got to stop. I'll just start rambling. Um,
for those of you that are online, we will not be meeting next week, but we will be meeting the week after. And I'm going to stop the recording.